0: that I think it's worth revisiting and focusing in on some lessons that we probably talked about in our classes, but some that will be especially helpful to us. I think it's worthwhile as we're going through uh, the biblical narrative as we are, uh, taking time in all of our classes to do that over the next uh, three or four years, I guess, it's going to take. It's worthwhile to spend some time also in some sermons dealing with some of the things that we've looked at In our Bible lesson. So in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1, the text says this. I'm picking up in the middle of the story, but we'll get the before and after in a little bit. The children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. Some of your translations may say devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Achan's name means trouble. That's its definition in Hebrew. Uh, I've had people call me trouble. They'd see me coming and they'd say, "Here comes trouble." You know, maybe that's. <laughs> in fact, there was a guy. I've said this before. There's a guy, a good man at, at Oakland. He would uh, say, "Well, here comes double trouble." He thought I was I was double trouble. Just kidding. But uh, it's quite a nickname. When you saw Achan coming, that's what you would say. You say, "Well, there's trouble." He was literally, he was literally trouble. And because of Achan's sin, unknown at first to the leaders of Israel, the Israelites indeed would have lots of trouble. The nation would have lots of trouble, and Achan's household would eventually have a lot of trouble as well. But Israel went up after the defeat of Jericho, of course, to Ai, and were not able to take it because of Achan's sin. Thirty-six Israelites were killed in their effort to take the city of Ai. I want to tell you a story now that is not true, the one I just told you is true, but it's a fable that illustrates something I think that's very important at this point. There was a, a man and a woman farmers. They had a rat that stayed on their farm. One day the rat was looking through a hole in the side of the wall of the house and looking in at the farmer and his wife and there was something exciting going on in there and he sees that they're opening a package and the rat thinks well this may be some cheese or some food or something you know but no they open the package and it's a rat trap. And the rat thinks no! This is the worst thing that could happen. So he runs around the barnyard shouting, there's a rat trap, there's a rat trap, there's a rat trap in the house. And the chicken says, you know, cluck, cluck, what is that to me? I don't care if there's a rat trap in the house. And the pig says, well, I'm sorry for you that there's a rat trap in the house, but why should that bother me? And the cow says, nah, you got to be kidding me. Moo, moo, you know? It doesn't mean anything to me. So, the rat is just forlorn. And he goes... Sets himself down inside the house and sleeps there that night. But in the middle of the night, smack, inside the house, the rat trap goes off. And he hears all this commotion inside. And what happened was the rat trap had sure enough caught something. It caught a venomous snake. And the farmer's wife ran in to get whatever was in the trap, but she didn't realize because it was dark, it was a venomous snake. And it bit her. And it bit her. And of course, when someone is bit by a snake, they get pretty sick. They have a fever. What do you do for a fever? Chicken soup. So the farmer goes out, kills the chicken. They have chicken soup. Well, she just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and the chicken soup doesn't help. And they get all these visitors come in to sit with her while she's practically in a coma, you know, in her bed there. And all these visitors come in, and so the farmer's got to have something to feed him, and he slaughters the pig. Well, the wife eventually gets worse and dies. Now there's all these people come to the funeral, to the wake, He's got to have a lot of food. He kills the cow. What seemed like it was just a problem for the rat was a problem for everybody. One of the things we need to learn and remember is that when there is a rat trap in the house, the whole farmyard is at risk. One of the lessons that we learn from Achan is that when there's sin in the camp, The entire camp is in trouble in more ways than one. And that's why, as God's people, we must ever encourage one another and admonish one another daily, lest anyone be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. A thing happens in this story. We talked about it in the high school class that that Rob and I are teaching But a thing happens in this story that I think is so important for everybody to grasp. And that is that the group is held responsible for the sin of the one. Many times, kids growing up in school, they've had this, you know, somebody pulls a prank or does something wrong. The teacher doesn't know who. She punishes the whole class or he punishes the whole class. all the kids, of course, say, well, that's unfair. That's unfair. Is it? Most of the time, the kids in the class know who did it. Most of the time, the kids in the class didn't stop that kid from doing it. Most of the time, right? (laughs) you see what I'm saying? Is it unfair for the many to suffer punishment because of the deed of the one? Not always it's not. Especially when the many are responsible to help the one be good. We are responsible for one another. The Israelites were responsible for one another. So fascinatingly, go back and look at the verse that we read, which tells us that, first line, the children of Israel committed a trespass. Who's God hold responsible? It goes on to say, Achan's the one that took something that was devoted or accursed. But God holds responsible... The children of Israel. The defeat at Ai was due to God holding this against the children of Israel as a group. Don't ever think that in the Lord's church, you're not your brother's keeper. The second thing mankind should have ever learned about dealing with God is that you are your brother's keeper. Cain thought that was a great excuse, right? Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, you are. You are. We're responsible for ourselves for sure, but for one another. So we want to look at Aiken's problem. And notice again some things that we can take away from it. I'm going to talk about Aiken's trouble with devotion. The, the, the issue with Aiken's Sin centers around, as we've already said, the accursed or devoted things, depending on your translation. When Joshua informed his military staff about the impending victory at Jericho, he gave them these instructions back in Joshua 6 and verse 17. He says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all that are in it. Notice that doomed by the Lord to destruction. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live, she and all who are in her her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, keep yourselves from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the gold, the vessels, the bronze, and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. The word accursed occurs numerous times in that passage in the New King James Version. In the English Standard Version, it's the word devoted. Now, if you just think about that, you think, well, those are really two much different words. Something that's accursed, how can it be said to be devoted? Good question. The word that's translated either devoted or accursed in this text Um, occurs 52 times in the Old Testament. Most often, it's not translated either accursed or devoted. Most often, it's translated destroyed. And usually, it's something that God destroyed or had destroyed by people that he sent to destroy it. So, the word translated devoted or accursed in this text, really refers to Jericho being devoted to God by its destruction. It would be accursed because it's going to be destroyed. It's devoted to God because it's done on behalf of God and for His glory. That's where this word comes in. There's a a usage of it in the book of Micah. You might just notice this in Micah chapter 4 and verse 13. that, That really helps me understand what's meant here in this text in Joshua. In Micah chapter 4 and verse 13, look this. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron. The horn is the symbol of power. I will make your horn iron. I will make your hooves bronze. You're going, in other words, you're going to be stomping on people and crushing them. You shall be in pieces many people, and I will consecrate, ESV says devote, same word as in Joshua, curse, devote, or consecrate, their gain to the Lord. Israel, you're going to crush a lot of people because I'm going to empower you to do that and it's all going to come to my glory. It's all going to be credited to the Lord. When we go back to Joshua, what city falls down just by marching around it? Right? This was the doing of God. This was his power, his mind, on full display for all the peoples of the land. What an enormous, incredible victory. If they hadn't feared the Israelites before, when the walls of Jericho fell, the people of the land feared them then, for sure, and feared their God who had led them in these victories. So when we talk about this being devoted or accursed, it's devoted or accursed, destroyed, to the glory of God. And the things Achan took were material things. Things that should have either been destroyed or given into the treasury of God. The things he took were material things. But he wanted them for himself. Later on, and we'll see in a minute, he he says, I took them because I coveted them. In other words, I wanted them for me. Things which were to be devoted to God, either destroyed or given to his treasury. But they were for him, not for me. But I wanted them for me. Simple, material things that we are devoted to that should be God's. So a woman came down the stairs in her house one day and her husband was laying on the couch with a fly swatter and his TV was on. She says, what you doing? She says, he says, killing flies. She said, really? How many have you got? He said, three males and two females. She said, really? How can you tell the difference? He said, well, the males were sitting on the remote control and the females were sitting on the phone. What are we devoted to? We spend our time watching the TV with the remote, talking on the phone, fooling our phone. How much time do we spend devoted to those things? How much of our energies, our minds are devoted to those things when we should be spending some time, maybe a lot more time than we're spending, devoted to God. What Aiken took wasn't the issue, the idea was that these things were to be devoted to God. Stop and consider just that. I'm not suggesting that we have to walk around like Pharisees with scriptures taped on our foreheads. But I am saying that most all of us could do a better job of devoting things that belong to God to God, including our free time, if we have it. Achan's trouble was that he was not willing to give to God that which belonged to God. He knew that what he did was wrong, and so he hid evidence of it in the floor of his tent. As we go on in the story, of course, in Joshua chapter 7, we pick up the reading in about verse 19, when Achan is discovered, as the households are brought before the children of Israel, and Joshua says to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Notice the issue. The issue is... God deserves the glory. You have not given God the glory. Give glory to the God of Israel and make confession to Him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And so then Achan answers Joshua and says, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them and there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Joshua sent messengers, they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. Achan confesses, here's what I did. We can be sure of this, that our sins will find us out. That's what Numbers 22:23 tells us Moses says, "Be sure your sin will find you out. It's like sin has eyes, you know, and it's going to reveal that it's been committed. Your sin will find you out. God sees all. He knows now what it is that you're hiding. He knows now what it is that you should have given Him that you've kept for yourself. He sees all of that. In Job chapter 31, there's a passage that we look at a lot when we're talking about the problem of pornography and lust. It's a great passage along that line and it illustrates the problem with secret sins. I'd like you to look at Joshua, or rather Job, I'm sorry, Chapter 31 in verse 1. Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? So that's the thing about things like secret lust and covetousness, pornography, and things we think are secret sins. They're not secret to God. The very point that that Job is making, talking about looking at a young woman, God knows. God will hold me accountable for that. Destruction is allotted for the wicked. God sees all. God sees all. He sees my ways. And He marks my steps. There's no place that you go that God doesn't know about. In Psalm 90 and verse 8, the psalmist there says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, In the light of your countenance. Our secret sins are set in the light of his countenance. What do you think you're hiding from God in your home or in your personal life? You think it's securely hidden on your computer or on your phone? Do you believe your thoughts of jealousy or bitterness or hatred are not known by God? Obviously, all of that is known. All of that is known by God. Course, many times those kinds of what we think are secret sins, as we already said, will find us out. People will come to know about them eventually. They'll be realized by others because our thoughts betray us. Our words, our facial expressions, our body language, our actions. Eventually, it all shows. What, What we need to learn is what God was trying to teach. Israel, and us at Jericho. We must destroy the devoted things. They're not ours. They belong to God. In Joshua chapter 7 then, uh, the text says in verse 24, they brought... They brought them, that is the household of Achan. They brought them to the valley of Achor. And Achor is just another form of the word Achan. It means troublesome, basically, or troubled. They brought them to the valley of Acor, And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? <laughs> why have you akened us, Achan? Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them. His family and his animals, all of it, destroyed. In contrast, think about Rahab and her house. Rahab had been a harlot, an immoral immoral woman. She had been part of the pagan people of the land. But she came to have faith in God and give God what belonged to God. Back in Joshua 6 and verse 25, Joshua spared Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had. She dwells with Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. What a contrast between... exactly the opposite, right? Achan, part of the children of Israel, won't devote what ought to be devoted. Rahab, a pagan... A harlot has faith in God and carefully cares for what he cares for. What a difference. We can avoid a lot of trouble by honoring God in our homes and in our private lives. I I know and have such respect for the faith of so many of us here at Eastside, my friends and brothers, whose dedication to the Lord is just so exemplary in so many ways and and, uh, an encouragement to me. But the world creeps in for all of us. We're a story about... He was writing it as a man, but he was talking about when he was a kid. And I, I related to the first part of it. Uh, he was out playing down the street with his friend in a neighbor, you know, neighbor's yard. And it was a hot summer's day, and they finally got so hot and sweaty, they decided to go into his friend's house to get a drink, drink of water. And so they, they pop into the house, you know, and the kid had never been in his friend's house before, but they're going through there. And uh, as they're going to the kitchen to get a drink, they pass by this this room, and the kid looks in there, and there's a woman, the, kid, the other kid's mom, burning incense, bowing down before this idol that she's got set up in the room. And, you know, the, the visiting kid thought that was really strange. So when they got back outside, he asked his friend about it. And his friend explained, oh, well, that, that's the largest room in our house. And my mom has fixed that up and dedicated it to her God. And she prays to her God in that room and burns incense to Him at least three times a day. If a pagan idolater, the man's point and my point is, if a pagan idolater can be so dedicated to a God who neither sees nor hears nor walks, who has no power whatsoever. What's keeping us from being wholly dedicated to the God of heaven? Let's focus on His Word. Our God speaks. He has things to say to us. We need to be spending time daily in the Word of God. Perhaps if Achan had thought about putting things that God honored and putting God's word in his tent, he wouldn't have been so tempted by the accursed or devoted things that he wound up taking. Let's focus on God's Word that freely given that we need. In our lives, there should be in every household a Bible for every person who is reading or about to be able to read or used to be able to read, depending on your age. There should be a Bible. It's not just a decoration, it's not a toy, it's not just a show. It's something that we're looking into on a regular basis. Verses of Scripture should be learned and memorized and thought about and talked about daily in our houses. They might be placed in sticky notes on bathroom mirrors to memorize or on plaques on the wall instead of some frivolous decorations. Our God, our God speaks. Let's devote ourselves to hearing. Our God listens. Let's devote ourselves to praying. Pray without ceasing. Our God has given us resources. We should use the material resources God has given us to His glory. Romans 12 and verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Given to to hospitality. The household of Stephanus had devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Why? Because it would bring glory to God. Because they were using the things God had given. God has arms. And with those arms and hands, He gives. He wants His people to use the things they are given to bring glory to Him. The significant financial resources that are required and needed to support the work of the church, to help the needy, especially those of the household of faith, or to support the preaching of the gospel. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, and verse 9, Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Did you know you can do that? Honor the Lord with your possessions. Achan thought, here are some things I can possess, and they could be all mine, and I'll be richer. And all look really nice in that Babylonian garment. I don't know where he thought he was going to wear it. You know, people would know, right? Hey, Aiken, where'd you get that? Ba-? But he's got this silver, he's got this gold, he's got this Babylonian garment. What are you thinking, Akin? What are we thinking? What's all this stuff we have? What's it for? It's to glorify God. It's to glorify God. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 33, Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. He tells Timothy, Paul does in First Timothy chapter 6, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy? Let them do good, these rich folks. That's us. Let them do good. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. Do we have a problem with devotion? we have a problem with devotion? Aiken sure did. We should examine ourselves to see if we might not too. There's a great passage kind of hidden back in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 58. I'm going to read this out of the uh, contemporary English verse, version, and the lesson will be yours. The text is describing a fast. God's talking about a fast that He doesn't want and then a fast that He wants from the people of Israel. He says it's not really a a fast of sackcloth and ashes that He wants. Here's what He says. I don't want that. But to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall, shall, shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. The CEV says, I will defend you from behind. I think about the defeated AI. You remember what happened? We just studied it, right? 3,000 Israelites go to Ai. And they're chased from the city. And apparently it's while they're running. that 36 men lost their lives. Because they had no defense from behind. God wasn't guarding them. See, from behind, that's why you need a rear guard. That's where people sneak up on you. That's where things of this world get you. What God is promising here is that if you'll use the resources I have given you to help others for my glory, specifically, he says, I'll be your rear guard. Nobody's going to sneak up on you from behind. Let's be devoted to God. Let's devote the things that should be His to Him. Let's live lives that are devoted to Him. After all, that's what Jesus asked for, isn't it? He asked for our lives. He asked us to give ourselves. If tonight you would give yourself to the Lord, you would never regret it. If you devote yourself and all that you have and are to Him, could you make that decision? Name the name of Jesus and be baptized for the remission of your sins tonight. Please come while we stand and sing.